Hey, what's going on, everybody? I hope everybody is well. Uh, make sure you follow Punch the Mouth TV on YouTube. You're following the social medias. I just released a new YouTube video about the departure of Jay Weinberg. For those that don't know, Jay Weinberg drummed for Slipknot for the past 10 years. So if you could check that out, give it a like, subscribe, comment. I would really appreciate it. Peace, guys. Enjoy the episode. Enjoy the fights this weekend. We will be back for episode number two later. Peace, guys. Remember, punch them out official on Instagram, official underscore PITM on Twitter. Juices. going on everybody i hope everybody is well um stay healthy out there stay safe the try not to get sick flu season so you you know it can get bad out there man it can get bad out there let's get into this the ufc signs robelis Spain. a 35 year old cuban heavyweight that seamlessly transitioned from olympic success to taking the MMA world by storm. He recently secured a coveted UFC contract with a breathtaking four-second knockout triumph against Miles Bank at Fury FC 84 in Houston. This guy comes in at 6'7", is an Olympic gold medalist at Taekwondo, and finished his last three fights by knockout in 6, in six 3, and 13 seconds. That's what, that's a combined of 20-something seconds. Let's see, that's 16 and then like 22 seconds. Yeah, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. Leave me alone. Dang, and he's going to fight a heavyweight. The little research I did on this guy, Um, let me see what else it says. The Spain made his professional MMA debut on June 3rd, 2022 at Thai NFC 77 against Mulumamba, the Cuban showcased his explosive striking ability, securing a first-round TKO stoppage, making the beginning of an impressive MMA journey. Since then, Despay has maintained an undefeated record, winning all four of his fights by first-round knockout. Before transitioning to MMA, Despain gained recognition as a formidable Taekwondo practitioner. Despain represented Cuba at the 2012 Olympic Games, Summer Olympics, where he clinched a bronze medal in, in the plus 80 kilogram event. I'm assuming that's heavyweight because I know 80 kilograms is a lot. Um, Let's see here. The UFC heavyweight division is one of the most talented stacked divisions within the organization today. It's the best heavyweight division in all of MMA. The article didn't say that. I'm saying that. The division boasts a wide array of competitors ranging from emerging young talent to seasoned veterans. The recent addition of Robelis Dismay, a former bronze medalist, has further strengthened his already formidable heavyweight, the already formidable heavyweight roster of the, US, of the UFC. Dismay's latest triumph 
a UFC 80, a Fury FC 84, I was going to say, catapulted him into the spotlight, leaving MMA fans and spectators mesmerized by the Cuban's talent and crisp striking skills. Several fans took to X to react to the latest UFC signing. One fan wrote, he could be a real problem depending on his cardio and takedown defense, of course. But I thought he was a gold medalist. This article saying he's a bronze medalist? So what is he? Is he a gold medalist or a bronze? Let's, let's figure this out. Now he's a bronze medalist. I thought he was a gold medalist. But... So what? So was Ronda Rousey. This guy reaches 87. He has more reach than John Jones. He's 6'7". Dang. And like, I was a little skeptical on his age, but I believe him and Alex Pereira are around the same age. Let me see. And if they are, look at Alex's career. Alex's career is... Like, it's stacking up to be one of the best careers the UFC has ever seen. Now, of course, did his previous rivalry with Israel Asanya help him out? A lot, yeah. But let's be honest here. How much depth is there in the UFC heavyweight division? A good four or five wins, you're right there for a title shot. Alex is 36. So how old was he when he made his UFC debut? Wait, when's his birthday? Let me check his birthday. The 7th of July. So now let's see when Alex made his UFC debut. He made his UFC debut in um, at UFC 268 on November 6, 2021. So that was two years ago. So Alex was 34 when he made his UFC debut. How old is my guy over here? Uh, he's a year younger than Alex. But again, if he gets... Like let's let's look at it because I know I put these rankings up. Okay, let's look at it. A good four wins. He, I bet you he could be in the top ten with a good four wins. Cause Derek Lewis and Marching Tabura, they're tied for number ten. Taito Ivasa is number nine. Sergey Spivak is number eight. Jolton Almeida is number seven. Alexander Volkov is number 6, Curtis Blaze is 5, Stipe is 4, Sergei Pavlovich is 3, 0. Gone is 2, but okay. Let's take 0 zero as an example. Let's see how long it took 0 to get to the top, because it didn't take him long. I know that much. I'm going to go with how long did it take him to get the interim title shot, because if you guys remember... Originally, they wanted it. That's the fight where he was supposed to fight Francis. So, okay. Shiro debuted. Like, this is his first MMA fight. On August 2nd, 2018, okay. He fought Derek Lewis on August 7th, 2021. So, that's one year, two years. Almost three years after he makes his debut. A little, Almost to the day, too. And how many UFC fights did it take him? Let's see. When was his first UFC fight? His fourth fight was in the UFC. Cause he, so, Ro- Robeles already has one more fight than what Cyril had when he went into the UFC. He had one, two, three, four, five, 
He had six fights in the UFC. Now, one thing I didn't tell you guys is this guy's knocking out dudes within seconds. Okay? He's knocking out dudes within seconds. All his four fights, they ended in the fourth, the first round. His first fight ended at 454 of the first round. His second fight ended at 12 seconds of the first round. His third fight ended at three seconds. And then his most recent fight ended at six seconds. So this guy has power. Okay. And look, he's already in the UFC. Let's say they give him a, a similar path to what they gave Cyril. Or this guy might have so much hype on him that they just say, oh, okay, well, let's just throw him in there, see what happens. Like, the only two X factors here is I know he fights out of Florida. So I don't know which team he's affiliated with. You would assume it would it would be either BMA Masters. Um Kill Cliff FC or American Top Team, but there are other gyms there because I looked around. They don't know what gym he's affiliated with, so I don't know. But the way this guy's fighting, like, look, his second fight was June 25th, and then he fought September again, and then December. He fought every three months. July. Yeah, he fought nearly almost every three months. His first two fights were like uh, three weeks apart because he fought on June 3rd and then he fought uh, 22 days later on June 25th of this. I mean, no, I'm sorry. They were almost a year apart. I don't know why. I looked at the years right now. and So he's 3-0 and just in this year and he's only had four fights. So he had one fight in 2022 and then he went away for a year. So again, his the question becomes: How good is your takedown defense? Can you take a shot? Because you can deliver one if you're winning within six, three, and twelve seconds. I don't care what level it is. You you can throw, but can you take it when they come at you, man? What's his takedown defense look like? What's his cardio look like? Because let me tell you, if this guy he went through the pyramid scheme, I would imagine like Yoel Romero. So there's something right there. And Yoel was already pretty old when he got in. He was older than him. I think Yoel was like 38. Let me see how old Yoel is. If my memory serves me correctly, Yoel Romero was about 38. It's going to take me some math to do right now, which I really don't want to. But I'm going to do it for you guys. Because I love you guys. Yoel was about, I want to say 38 when he... Got into the UFC. We're going to look at his age right now. Yoel's 46 right now. He His birthday is April 30th. We're going to see when he debuts in the UFC. So let's see. And like this is very, um, because he loses to Robert Whitaker. A lot of people thought he won. Is this the Chicago one? A lot of people thought he won that. He loses to Paulo Costa. I thought Paulo won that. A lot of people thought Yoel won that. And then he has that boring fight with Israel. And then he gets released from the UFC. And then he loses to Phil Davis. And then it was that weird excuse. Oh, well, I didn't know it was three rounds. I thought it was five. That was his excuse. Which I always found pretty funny, man. That was always hilarious to me. Okay, let's see when he makes his middleweight, I mean, his UFC debut. And I'm going UFC because at this point we know... This guy is going to make his UFC debut. So, let's see when he makes it. 
he made his UFC debut was this strike foot. Okay, so Yoel was a part of the fighters that got acquired when the UFC bought out Strike Force. So he made his debut on April 20th, 2013. And I believe that's when his birthday is. Right? Is that when your birthday is? No, okay. So Yoel was about 36. Because if he debuted on April 20th, he was about to be he was about to be 36 about 10 days time and this guy's what i'm telling you and look at all the success he had so it might just be me and then he how long did it take him to get it well his was weird because he had some losses so his first first title shot was against so he went one two three four five six seven eight Okay, he had eight fights, and he won them all. When, before he got his first title shot, which was against Robert Whitaker, it was for the interim belt, but that ended up becoming the real belt after um Robert, I mean, Michael and GSP fought, so they just instated Robert as the real champion. But again, this is at middleweight. Middleweight is a little bit deeper than heavyweight. I'm telling you, like, look at, look, we're looking at Cyril's case in this matter. Look at him. He had to win six fights for his first interim title shot. And I'm telling you, if this guy is starching guys the way he has been, the UFC is going to throw him in the deep end right away because their main priority is making money and they can make a lot of money with this guy because this is what people want to see, you know? So we're going to move on from here. Keep an eye out for this dude. I'm really excited. Again, I say between five to six fights before he gets a title shot. Five to six fights before he gets a title shot. Depending on... Because if he goes in there and they put him against Taito Ivasa, because Taito Ivasa is going to try to trade with him, he already beat the number nine guy. So who do you put him in with after that? You know what I would do? And I know people are going to be like, dude, this guy's insane. He should stop talking right now. Look, where, where are these rankings? I always get these rankings lost. Oh, that's why. <laughs> Look, like, for example, let's say they make him fight Tai Tuibasa. That's the number nine guy. For his debut, maybe that's too high. I was going to say have him fight someone like, I mean, Jolton Almeida because, so this guy's a knockout artist. And Jolton is a submission specialist. Like, let's see how he does when he deals with that. But that might not. They're, they're going to put him because they want to sell this guy. Because unless you have fight pads, you're going to have no idea who this guy is. I've never seen this guy fight. But I saw his most recent knockout. They were so impressed that they said it on the broadcast. The reason they could say that is because Cage Fury is um, shown on UFC Fight Pass. That's the newest way to get into the UFC. They do it one of three ways. They'll do the Ultimate Fighter. Even if you don't win the Ultimate Fighter, if they're impressed, but they still want to see how you look, they'll put you on Dana White's Contender Series. That's way number two. And then the third way, because this is how they sign people like Holly Holmes, Dominic Reyes, all these crazy people you guys like. Um, You get on like a local show that is part of the UFC Fight Pass, which would be like Titan FC, 
LFA, um, Cage Fury, um, what's the European one, Cage Warriors, that's where Patty Pimblet came from, Conor McGregor came from there, Darren Till came from there, so you put it on all, like, those are three magical ways you can get in on there, and that your manager knows someone within those organizations to get you fights, to get you in front of a crowd, to get you in front of the UFC, because the matchmakers are watching those shows. Because they have those shows on UFC Fight Pass for a reason. Because they know that's where the next pool of talent will come from. And they might like what they see, but they might be like, okay, let's get them on Dana White's contender shoes. Oh, let's go with the ultimate fighter. Or even looking for a fight. Looking for a fight is another one that kind of slipped my mind. Because that's where they got um, Sage Northcutt and the guy that beat CM Punk. What's his name? I forgot his name. Mickey Gall, Mickey Gall. So there's that. Now let's okay. Let's look at the BKFC result. Mike Perry defeated Eddie Alvarez at round two TKO within two minutes. Christine Ferreira defeated Beck Rawlings 50-45 times three. Kai Stewart defeated Howard Davis by decision. Mike Torero defeats Arnold Adams. Jeremy Stevens defeats. Jimmy Rivera, I didn't see that fight, but I thought Jimmy was going to run through him, but I guess I was wrong. And it was due to a cut to round three. So, I mean, again, I will keep this notion, like, bare knuckle, I don't see it. And it's not that I don't want people to do I, I want people to do it. I want to make that very clear, but I don't see it lasting, man. I don't see it lasting. Like, for example... Mike Perry versus Eddie Alvarez for the whole first round. Eddie was beating the brakes off of Mike. Mike just took a better shot. And then, like, Mike woke up or felt like fighting in the second round that he took Eddie out. And now they're saying, have Mike Perry fight Jorge Masvidal? No, bro. I want to see him fight Darren Till. Like, I'm telling you, Darren Till will probably take out Mike Perry. Um, If Nick Diaz was a little younger, Nick Diaz could do it. Nate could do it. Because these guys, they're good boxers. Like, Eddie was throwing haymakers a lot to the point where he was missing. I'm like, of course he's going to gas because he's throwing haymakers. He broke his orbital that uh, Mark Henry called the fight. Like, that was a good move because, like, why do you want to see him take that much damage? There's no point in that. So, let's see what happens. And then MVP. I thought MVP was going to win against Mike Perry. Because I'm like, no, nah, MVP's too elusive. but. I guess not. Guess not. Giga Chikaze suffers groin injury. Pulls out of UFC 296 fight with Josh Emmett. Left with the out opponent. Decorated professional kickboxer Giga Chikaze was forced to withdraw from his upcoming UFC 296 bout against Josh Emmett after tearing his groin. During training, Chikadze's signature giga kick or left round kick, which he has done countless times before, resulted in an injury that has cost him a paycheck. And fans potentially excited fan and fans, a potentially exciting matchup, Emmett is now left without an opponent. Just twelve days before the fight and is searching for a replacement. The incident serves as a Reminder that how quickly a fighter can suffer an injury that cancels a fight. 
Um, yeah, this sucks, man. I was really looking forward to this fight. I did see the video. He goes down in screaming pain. My heart goes out to Giga Chikadze. So, and he's one of my favorite fighters to watch. So, like, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I wonder if they're talking to, I believe his manager's Ali, to seeing what the recovery time is. And they just pull Emmett off this card. And just book that fight at a later date because I don't know how long it takes to recover from. Because he pulled his groin. It's not like he broke his foot, but that has to hurt. Jesus, that has to suck, bro. It has to suck. Now, I know it sucks. It's not that it has to. I know it sucks. Okay. UFC fight night. Armin Sarukian versus Benil Dariush or... How is it Benil Dariush versus Armin Sarukian? Yes. So Armin Sarukian defeated Benil Darius. Jalen Turner defeated Bobby Green. Davison Figueredo defeated Rob Font. Sean Brady defeats Kevin Gastelum. Joaquin Silva defeats Clay Guida. And Dustin Saltfuss defeats Punjaheli Serrano. I hope I said those last two names right. Misha Tate defeats Julia Avila. Avila. I didn't see that fight. But a lot of people said Misha Tate was grabbing the fence. Let me go. I don't. I cannot comment on that because. I don't know. I didn't see. So let's see. We will talk about the ones I did see. But if she did. That was the ref song. We're going to talk about these refs. And then there's reports that Ronda and Misha. Are rumored to fight at UFC 300? Why? Why are you guys going to do that? Tell me. If that's true. And then shame on this MMA media that keeps reporting the BS. And a lot of it's like just Instagram pages. I don't know. A lot of people said she was grabbing the fans. I don't know. I mean, but her and Holly at UFC 300 would be cool. I'll watch that. What? Why? Why did my thing stop working? Is it okay? Oh, I know why. What what happened? So, I don't know what happened there. Like, my audio did something that made me freak out. So, that's why you heard me going like, what's going on here? But, okay, let's go back to what we were talking about. I could not find um any to corroborate the story of Misha Tay holding on to the fence. But, let's read. Some articles that did come out about Misha Tate. We're going to talk about Ryan Garcia. Then we're going to talk about the fights that just happened. Then we're going to talk about the fights next, this weekend. And for those that were wondering, the fights this weekend are going to start. The main card starts at 7 p.m. Pacific time. I know there were rumors going around that, oh, they were supposed to be in China. So they're going to keep the local time. It's going to start at 11 o'clock at night, blah, 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 blah. Well, I just saw the official start time. It's at 7 o'clock. So, if you want to see that, we, you know, Anthony, I was going to say Anthony Smith. Well, yeah, Anthony Smith will take on Khalil Roundtree. We're going to get into all that. So, let's get into it, man. Misha Tate, we're going to read an article. Let's see, this is from Yahoo Sports. And I, because she had an interview with Ariel today, so I'm pretty sure they're going to use quotes from that. Despite her long tenure in the game, Misha Tate is not 
contemplating retirement. Tate, a former UFC and Strikeforce winning Bantamweight champion, returned to the cage this past weekend, dominating and then submitting Julia Avila at UFC on ESPN 52. Tate put on a grappling clinic against Avila and then submitted her with a neck crank in the third round. The win over Avila marked Tate's 30th professional fight. Many wondered if she was gonna be it was gonna be her last fight, but it looked like there's a little more left in the tank. I don't feel like that's my last fight, but I feel like any fight could just know it's my last fight. But I don't know if I can. Tate told MMA Junkie at the UFC on ESPN 52 post-fight press conference. I don't go into my last fights thinking it's my last fight, if that makes sense. I don't feel like I'm going into any fight thinking it's going to be my last fight. But I'm also going with the appreciation and the fire that it could be my last fight. It's not like a premeditated... It's not like it's premeditated, but I feel I'm appreciating these fights in a way that I couldn't have earlier in the earlier part of my career. I don't know how many times I will, will get to make the walk, and tonight was my 20th victory. I've been doing this for 18 years. Someday it will be my last, and I want to make sure that I get the most out of these moments. And it goes on to say, it is uncertain how, how much longer the 37-year-old Tate will fight for. But she knows the end is coming. What's certain is that Tate had a vintage performance on Saturday. And a lot of that was due to the change in mentality and the desire to prove that she's still among the best in the world. I wanted this fight to be dominant, Tate said. There was a part of me that realized that I haven't been outside of the top 10 my enti- the entire time that I've been fighting in the UFC. So to see the 12 next to my name, I was like, you know what? I have a lot to prove in this fight. I had a lot to prove, and I thought, I'm going to go out there and maybe for the first time in my career, I'm going to fight with as much of my skill as I can. I thought I've always gone in there thinking what everyone else thinks. I'm tough, I can endure, and I kind of made a name for myself fighting with my heart. But I'm so much better than that. Okay, like let's say this mentality changes her. Like, how far can she go? What division is she fighting in? Because I can't... I don't know if she's fighting in... She's fighting at Bantamweight. Okay, let's see. Because for whatever reason, I thought she was fighting at... So, Misha wins. I don't know if she's going to move. She's got Norma Dumas in front of her. She's got Macy Chison. She got Carol Rosa. She got Yana Santos. She got... Panay Kainzad? I don't know who this is. Who is this? Oh, I do know who this is. What's her Banzai. Her nickname is Banzai. This girl's for real, man. She lost her last fight, though. By what? By decision? And she lost to Caitlin Vieira? She won her fight before her last fight, though. And then she lost to Raquel Pennington. And then you got Irene Aldana, Holly Holmes, tied for number five. Caitlin Vieira, number four. Oh, no. Marina Bonosilva and Raquel Pennington are number three and two. And then you have Juliana Pena because there's no champion. Okay, looking at this, I like Misha's chances against Yana Santos and Holly Holmes. And that's number eight and five. If she can get, like... The the fucked up part about this is 
It has to be the right fights. Because I don't see her beating Marina Bueno Silva. Raquel Pennington's the one that made her retire the first time. So Marina Bueno Silva and Raquel are going to fight in Canada, right? In January. And then the assumption is that Juliana Pena will get the winner of that. And um, Misha Tate and Juliana are friends. So I don't know if they would fight, but I don't see that happening in my opinion. I don't see that happening. And then the car close wins by slam and so did Cody Brundage. I didn't see any of those fights, but those fights are all over social media, man. Sean Brady versus Kevin Gastelum. The bigger story was that Kelvin looked good at 170, but dude, Sean Brady's the freaking man, bro. That guy is the man. Let's see what's next for him. That guy is the man. You see, Sean Brady is number nine. Vicente is going to fight Ian Gary. With, that is number eight and ten. I'm going to tell you guys. If Ian Gary wins, they should fight. Because after that, it's Jeff Neal. Didn't Ian beat Jeff? Or did they never fight? Wait, so why did you make that t-shirt about Jeff Neal? I don't get it, but okay. Because apparently, so now I'm curious to why this happened. What I'm looking up now is because Ian Gary, so I'm pretty sure if you guys keep up with the MMA landscape, um, you guys know that, okay, here we go. Jeff Neal's mugshot was the story behind the Ian Gary t-shirt. I thought they were supposed to fight each other. Rising welterweight star Ian Gary has been at odds with several fellow UFC fighters as he heads into his much-awaited matchup against Vicente Luque at UFC 296 on December 16th. Over the past few months, Gary has been feuding with Jeff Neal, whom he was booked to fight at UFC 292 in August of 2023. In July of 2023... The Irishman jibbed at Neil by wearing a t-shirt with the American fighter's mugshot imprinted on it. So why didn't the fight happen? Did Jeff Neil get hurt? So they were supposed to fight in August of 2023 and it didn't happen. Why not? Why? That's what I want to know. It was subsequently reported that Jeff Neil's mugshot by Ian Gary in the t-shirt was from the former's 2021 Thanksgiving arrest. Following an incident on Thanksgiving, MMA Junkie procured a document from the Collin County Sheriff's Department. The document is suggested around 3.47 a.m. On November 25th, the Texas Department of Public Safety arrested Neil. I already knew about this. Okay, this is what I wanted. The Ian Gary vs. Jeff Neil fight at UFC 292 fell apart because Neil withdrew from the matchup owing to health issues. So this is where he fought Neil Magny? And then that whole thing about him being a, a child beater came to light? I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't like telling people how to conduct themselves, but I don't know. I cannot agree with some of the stuff that's come out about Ian Gary. And I'm not talking about his nutritionist or nothing like that. I'm talking about, like... 
what I believe is happening and that I don't want to get into because I don't have all the facts and I don't like speculating about this stuff. I speculate about fights and how, how I think people will win and about metal news and all that stuff, but I'm not going to speculate on how people conduct themselves because I wouldn't want people to do that about me. That's not why I got into this. So that's all I'm going to say on that. Let's move on. Please, guys. So Sean Brady's the man. I don't know. I'm excited for his next fight. Excited for his next fight. But can I go back to Mike Perry? So I believe Nick Diaz would beat him if he was a little younger. I believe Nate would beat him if he was a little bit bigger and younger. I think Darren beats him. But you know who I think for sure would beat the brakes off of Mike Perry? Sean Strickland. Now, is it feasible for Sean to go over there? No, he's the UFC middleweight champion. He beat the brakes off of Israel Adesanya. Why would he go over to bare knuckle? He would, for one, he wouldn't make as much money. Because that's another thing. Bare knuckle doesn't have a big audience as it is. A lot of their viewership, unfortunately, is, is through illegal streams. Like, I bet. If you think PFL's numbers were bad, I bet you bare knuckles is worse. I bet you. I don't know. Like, the only one's been able to prove for the pay-per-view method, and I don't knock bare knuckle for it because it's so new that they probably have to be on pay-per-view, is um, I don't know why other MMA organizations feel they need to be on pay They don't have the star. The problem is the fans aren't connecting with these other fighters. I was talking to my cousin the other day, and I liked his take on it. He told me, he's like, dude, I don't care. I just want to see fights. And, like, that's the problem. People, like, I get you want to see the best versus the best, but there's also good fun. Again, case in point, Mike Chandler. And everybody over here is excited over Michael Venom Page. And I'm not knocking the guy because the guy can fight, okay? But yet, you weren't excited when Mike came. Everybody were calling him a Bellator reject. And I was looking at everybody. I'm like, they're fucking insane. Mike Chandler's the fucking man, Okay. And you're calling him a Bellator reject. And the problem was is because Ben Ashkin had come through. And we all saw how Ben's career played out. I was one hyping Ben up too. You guys should have seen all the flag I took, man. It was funny as heck. It was really funny, man. Okay, Sean Brady. He's number eight. Maybe him and Jeff Neal? Because I don't see him getting the winner of Shavka and Steven Thompson. Or maybe because him and, I don't know if I'm throwing straws at the wall, but Gilbert Burns because they both lost to Bulam Muhammad. Bulam Muhammad is the man too, bro. Like, I don't get why people hate on my guy so much. That guy's the truth. Because Covington is going to get Leon next. So I don't know, man, because look, Stephen Thompson's booked. Shafkat's booked. Gilbert isn't. Colby's booked, and I I would honestly feel that Bilal, they're going to keep him for the, he's, I think they told him you got the winner, because he's been tweeting about it, so, look, so Jeff Neal, you got Stephen Tom, I mean, not Jeff Neal, Sean Brady, he can either fight Jeff Neal, or give him the winner of Ian Gary and Vicente Luque, especially if Ian wins. But if you want to hype up Ian, you would give him the winner of Shavkat and Stephen Thompson or Gilbert Burns because um, Ian has been talking a lot. It's been rubbing people 
the wrong way. I mean, you just have to look at the news. He got kicked out of Renegade where, where Deion Edwards trains. I'm surprised he hasn't gone to Dublin and trained at SBG. I'm really surprised about that. Because another thing I could see them doing it is if Ian wins, they try to rebook the Jeff Neal fight. And then where does that leave Sean Brady? So, okay, let's let's say Ian wins. They do him and Jeff Neal next after that. So then you give Sean Brady the winner of Shavkat and Steven Thompson. Or you give him Gilbert Burns, in my opinion. Alright? So, there's that. Let's move on. I'm having a lot of fun, guys. Davison Figueredo defeats Rob Font. Another thing to tell you guys is... It is Monday, so the rankings are not updated. I feel like I'm going to start recording on Mondays. And so I could record videos Tuesdays, and then I could do the second episode of the podcast Wednesdays. That'll give me time to edit the videos, and then we'll move on and so forth. But I will release them Friday. So even if I record on Wednesday, I'll edit it Wednesday, and I'll still release it on Friday. So you guys are still going to get the podcast on um, Wednesdays and Fridays. I'm just going to record them a day earlier. I, I feel that's the that's the move here, guys. That's the move. We'll see how it works. If any news comes through the wire, keep a lookout on the socials um, or the YouTube channels. Like if something really important comes out, I'll make like an emergency, very unedited video. But if it's like something like I could make a post, a real quick post about it, I think I'll, I think those are the moves here, guys. Those are the moves because I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to get the punch in the mouth um, sub stack going. I was going to try to figure that out today. I didn't. Some stuff went down, but we'll figure it out. We're going to figure it out. 2024 is looking like a big year for punch in the mouth. <coughs> 2023 was as well. I just released the Jay Weinberg video. I'm going to do a follow-up to that with the comments of Corey Taylor. But let's get back to this. Davidson Figueredo looked like a monster. He he just beat a top 10 guy at the Bantamweight level. So, let's look at this. We're, we're, he beat the number 8 guy. Song Dong is fighting this weekend, number seven. Marlon's fighting for the belt. Henry's going to fight Marab. And then it'll be interesting if they were to match up Peter and Corey together again. But if they, so if they do, okay, you do number eight. And then if, is Chris Gutierrez even ranked? No, 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 I'm sorry. Because there is a, yeah, Chris Gutierrez is number 14. But there is a rumor that Umar and... Corey Sanhagen are gonna fight. So okay, let's go back. Song Dong is gonna fight Chris Gutierrez. Marlon Vera's fighting for the belt. Peter Yan doesn't have a fight. Corey Sanhagen is rumored to fight the number twelve guy Umar. Henry is gonna fight Marab. And Aljo doesn't have a fight book. Okay. So immediately if Song Dong wins, you'd be like there that we go we go there. Or if they're feeling froggy, if they're feeling froggy, they do Davison and Peter because he's not going to fight Henry. I'll tell you that right now. Davison Figueredo will not fight Henry Cejudo. And, like, I like Henry's confidence when it comes to Marab, but I think Marab's pace is just too much, man. It's just too much, in my opinion, right? 
So there's a little matchmaking for you. But in, in his immediate future, if Song Yadong wins, I think they fight right there. And then Song Yadong, if Marlin wins, this is the play. So Song Yadong wins this weekend. You, If he can, if he doesn't get too hurt, if I was Song Yadong, I would call out Davison Figueredo or fight him on the March card. If he wins, if Marlin wins, Marlin Vera, you'd be like, all right, Marlin, it's me and you. I beat your ass. Like, that's what I would do because he did. And even though it was very controversial and all that stuff, it doesn't matter. Like, you won. So, act like it, you know. But Davison Figueredo looked good, man. I thought Rob Fong was going to run through him. Honestly, Davison looked good. I know he wants to fight Peter. That's a good fight right there. Especially with Davison's power. I mean, him and Sean would be a crazy fight because even though he has power, he goes, I'll take that guy down and submit him, no problem. Like, that's crazy to me. And they fought three rounds, and he did not look tired at all. The only criticism I have for Davison Figueredo is that I wish he would throw combinations because he just, like, throws that one power shot, and that's it. So I wish he would throw combinations. But he looked good, man. He looked good. Jalen Turner versus Bobby Green. All right. I've been waiting for this moment all day. I've been waiting. Been waiting. So, Jalen Turner defeats Bobby Green, right? Because Bobby has that um, very uh, risky style where he he holds his hands very low. And uh, he got got caught. And good on Jalen. Jalen's the man. Now, tell me why, tell me why the the ref let Jalen Turner almost murder Bobby Green. He knocked him out like three times. And I did hear that the ref was very upset that he should have done a better job. But let's read what Dana had to say about it. This is Jalen Turner versus Bobby Green referee stoppage. One of the worst I've ever seen. That's Dana White. Okay. Dana was blunt when asked about the controversial referee stoppage by Kerry Halty in the UFC Austin Coleman event. Hatley, sorry. Kerry Hatley, sorry. Hatley in the UFC Austin Coleman event. One of the worst I've ever seen, White said. UFC's, at UFC's Austin's post fight press conference, Hatley came under immense fire on Saturday for what many perceived to be a late stoppage for the Jalen Turner first round knockout victory over Bobby Green. Turner dropped Green with a right hand in the opening minutes of the bout and then towered over the fallen foe and unloaded undefended blows for more than 10 seconds Hadley, before Hadley intervened. Many fighters expressed outrage at Hadley's decision-making during the first sequence. Among the chorus was UFC cage side commentator Daniel Cormier, who called it one of the absolute worst stoppages in MMA history. And featherweight Sadiq Youssef, who called for Hadley's firing on social media, wrote, That's insane, man. I've never actually, I've never been actually mad at a ref before. Someone could have died. Someone could die of that shit, like, of shit like that. Why has never been shy to criticize a commission official? And while he acknowledged Hadley's mistake, he also held back because of contritions he cited on Hadley's part. Difference is when, We've had some refs say dumb shit in the past, like, oh, I allowed her to be a warrior tonight, and goofy shit like that. 
He's talking about Mario Yamasaki. Why explain? He knows that he made a mistake tonight and he does not feel good about it. So it's unfortunate. Definitely a bad stoppage. Very. See, like, he knows he messed up. And then they asked Armin about it because if you guys don't know, Armin and Bobby got into it in the weeks leading up to the fight. That's why I wanted both of them to win so they could fight. But that didn't happen. I wonder if it'll put it here. Because Armin goes, he said he was very happy. Let me see. Let me, let me see if I can find it. Let's see. Armin Sarukian. Super happy seeing Bobby Green's head bouncing on the canvas after hotel confrontation. Okay. I don't condone this at all because I love Bobby Green. <laughs> but Armin said he was very happy. Armin Sarukian picked up an important win at, in the UFC Austin main event. But the co-main event had him, already had him smiling. While Sarukian's devastating knockout win over Benio Darius will undoubtedly go down as a career highlight. Much of the headlines leading up to Saturday's show were centered on a Sarukian's conversation with Bobby Green at the Fighters Hotel. Green posted on social media that Sarukian and associates had confronted him at the hotel. And footage of the encounter later surfaced, which included Sarukian grabbing Green by the throat and Green balling with members of Sarukian's team. The two fighters' fortunes couldn't be more different on fight night. Sarukian defeated Dariush, and Green suffered an ugly knockout loss at the hands of Jalen Turner. Sarukian was asked about the Green drama and admitted that seeing Green get KO'd amused him. He was talking shit about me, Sarukian said at the evening at the post-fight press conference. I just came and asked him, bro, don't talk shit about me. Because where I'm from, you can't just talk. You've got to answer for your words. So that's why I wanted to tell him, don't talk shit about me. Because if you're going to talk shit, we've got to meet and talk. So he pushed me, I pushed him, and that's done. Hopefully, I'm not going to see him again in my life. I was super, super happy when his head was bouncing on the canvas. So there's that. So, go going into the Armin Sarukian versus Benio Dariush fight, I mean, you could, like, Armin's the man. And I, I haven't seen his fight with um, Islam Mahashev, but my uncle saw it. And he told me, like, dude, Armin was giving it to him. And from what I know, so Armin just took out the number four guy. In his immediate future, because I believe the UFC will keep the Islam Mahashev, Charles Oliveira fight together, I see two people in his immediate future. Dustin Poirier, which that could get a little dicey because they're both, they both train at American Top Team, but so did Mateusz and, and Armin, and I think Armin relocated with Eric Nixon at Extreme Couture in Vegas. So I don't know if that's something he's willing to do, but his immediate future is either Dustin or Gaethje, in my opinion. Because I don't see a world where they say, all right, we're not doing you and Charles anymore. Because that's the biggest fight. Because Charles is a very dangerous person. And I don't think the first fight's a good representation because Charles had just been stripped. He said, okay, I got to go fix this. Like, I believe Charles was more worried about making weight in that fight rather than fighting. Is winning against Islam. This is my personal opinion. So we shall see, man. So for Armin Sarukian, it's it's for me it's either Dustin or Justin. 
For Jalen Turner, did he beat Dan Hooker or did he lose? Because they fought. And I don't remember. Dan Hooker beat him. What event was this? July 8th, 2023. Volkanovski versus Rodriguez? Oh, I remember. I'm like, why don't I remember this? I remember why. I don't remember. Your boy was hung the fuck over, bro. But I guess. So, okay. Maybe he rematches Dan Hooker? I don't know, man. And to me, he beat Mateusz Gamera, but that's my opinion. I don't know. Lightweight's crazy, man. Lightweight's nuts. Um, Is there anything else I wanted to say before I left? Nah, I think that's about it. Um, Make sure you follow me, Punch the Mouth Official, on Instagram. Official underscore P-I-T-M on Twitter. Make sure you follow Punch the Mouth TV. I'm gonna about to do some MMA videos. Make sure you're following there. And you guys can always tweet at me. You guys can get involved. We can make content together. In the form of you guys asking me questions. And I will answer them to the best of my abilities. But peace guys. Have a great day. And stay safe. And stay warm. And stay healthy. Later.